welcome to episode 116 of After All This Time Always with me, your host, Mr. Tom Toll. Me, Mr. Patrick Holland. And this is usually the time I infer Joe's a bit racist, but he's, he's not. It's our wonderful producer, Joe Power. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, mate. That's kind. I just feel that at this time, it's not, you know, racism isn't something to joke about. Uh... You know? Never is, mate. And I, cu- and I couldn't think of a paedophile joke. <laughs> <laughs> I sent, I sent you, I sent you a paedophile joke. Let's have a look. He's the, he's the <sighs> dementor of the podcast because even on the hottest day of the year, he can leave a young boy in a cold. Oh sweat. my god! <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. Well. This is right. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> this, is, this is this one, listeners. Sorry, we didn't have an episode last week. Things got in the way. Uh, two, this episode is uh, not like a normal episode. We've decided to have a little catch up with one of our other mates, uh, the man responsible for our wonderful pictures that you see on social media. Uh, our mate, lot, of, lot had... of love for Pat. Lot of love for Pat's pictures. Have you noticed? I. I would be, it would be remiss of me not to mention that I checked the like count on each of our individual profile shots and uh, spotted that Pat got the most likes and uh, screamed into my pillow. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a fabulous picture. It's Pat. It's full Pat. You're clutching a pint. You've got a smile (laughs) on your face and you're, I think, I'm not sure if you're high-fiving someone or you're shaking someone's hand. It's I'm, a real I'm, I think I'm shot. going in for a high five with uh, our housemate Jack, and yeah, yeah. It, it's it's without doubt it's in the top three pictures of me ever taken. I think. <laughs> it's a, it's a great. So I'm, I'm not surprised by the likes. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, we had a we had a lovely chat with our mate Yao. Uh, we talked about some serious stuff, some light stuff, some bad driving stories. It was pretty good. School stuff. Lot of school a lot stuff. of school stuff. Yeah, it was it was good realizing that we've still got school stories that we can dine out on for years. And to we're come. not we're not the only ones living in the past. <laughs> yeah, this this is what I like. It's like over over almost a three hour conversation. By the end of it, yeah, I was fully on board with the man. Things are so much better. Being 15, 16 was better than this. <laughs> but listen, uh, don't take our word for it. Let's get into it. Um, hope you enjoy the episode and uh, we'll see you again next Thursday. Um, one of the things we want to do in this episode is uh, we want to bring in another voice. Now, some of you might have seen some sexy photographs of our live shows. We've done two live shows at the Bill Murray and I am delighted to say we are welcoming the official, after all this time, always photographer, Mr. Yao Kuzi to the show. Yao, how are you, mate? Thank you very much. I, uh, I feel honoured by that intro. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I I'm wish we had a live good. audience to give you a round of applause because that was a nice we can intro. Give one. We, can, we can do yeah, one. Give you one. Oh, you're, you're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> I would like an. I would like a round of applause at the next at the next live show. So, yes. Uh, Done. Yes. So let, let, let's make sure we do that. As soon as we're allowed to be in the same room as each other, we'll applaud you until well, well, for about five ten seconds. But are we are we technically now allowed to we're not maybe not in the same room but we can be in a, a a public place with each other is that correct where are we at now I th- yeah I think what Tom what you're saying is we can now headline the pyramid stage at Glastonbury because that's outside yeah. so we can yeah, make that I'll, the next the next <laughs> <done> last year <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I, that's that's the aim yeah or pod in the park maybe we should start <laughs> our own podcast festival pod in the park yeah I like it. How is it going to work? 
it, it, like like Shakespeare in the park, but just with us. Better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but better. That's the tagline. Um, like Shakespeare in the park, but better. Yeah, but in, intelligible. Uh, is that the word? <laughs> You're not standing there nodding your head along thinking you know what's actually happening, but really, you, you have no clue. You just want to look him, you look smart in front of the other people that know what's going on. So you're just like, yeah, yeah, no, I totally get this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll wear those big Shakespearean collars as well to, to trick some of the pretentious people into watching us. Do you think that? Yeah. Because when I saw um, Buffy live, there's a, a clip in. Sorry, Yao, this is exactly what it's like. When I saw. <laughs> When I saw Buffy live, um, there was there's obviously there's a, an in joke within the show about bunnies, and so there were a couple of, like literally like a line, a line in a song about bunnies, bunnies, and there was a, two girls dressed as bunnies. Right. Um, so what do you think if someone was to cosplay after all this time? Always, what would they come dressed as for the next live show? What they would come as? Uh, the the human embodiment of sadness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like. The crying face emoji. Um, yeah, yes, they would. They would come as a Marks and Spencers gin and tonic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you get three people, one, uh, two people with T-shirts that say bread and a guy in the middle with a T-shirt that says butter. <laughs> yes. Literally, the bread and butter. Where, where were you on that, Yao? When you put two slices of bread, um, both buttered together, or, or one of them buttered, uh, um, do you call that a butter sandwich or do you call that bread and butter? Where do you lie on the debate? I remember we had this conversation in our WhatsApp group <laughs> and I was I was horrified when I heard that people call it a buttered sandwich. Thank what you. What the yeah. hell is that? It's yeah. it's bread and butter. Always bread and butter. What kind of low sandwich barometer do you have that you're accepting a, a two slices of bread with no filling other than the butter on them as a sandwich filling? No, yeah. the the barometer is was made by the good people at the Oxford English Dictionary when mm. they defined sandwich physical action. I'm doing a physical action for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's good for an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> the way I see it is, it's if it doesn't have butter in it, then it's just bread, right? So if you do anything to it, then it's bread and jam, bread and butter, yeah. whatever, right? So therefore, it's bread and butter. A lot of people use butter as like a foundation filler, right? So they're gonna they're gonna put butter down, whatever. Like so, if, if they're gonna have a tuna sandwich, they'll they'll put butter down to kind of set the mood almost, right? And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> light some candles. Exactly. Yeah. And then they'll and then they'll stick on like they'll stick in their tuna, right? And then mm. afterwards. It's not going to be a tuna and butter sandwich, is it? It's going to still a tuna sandwich. That's what I say. No one calls yeah, it a ham, ham butter sandwich. With, with or without the that's butter, true. the sandwich that's is true. the other thing in between. Right. Because you yeah. would call it a tuna and mayo sandwich. We're mixing mm. in the mayo, tuna and sweet but corn sandwich. But butter, you don't butter get isn't a filling. Butter, butter, is, butter is just a... It's a foundation. Yeah, oh, I find got, it very filling. I do, oh, the, I do <laughs> like Neil calling butter a mood setter, though. <laughs> <laughs> does it just it's like you can't you know it's like putting on socks before you put on shoes right that's true yeah it's got to be done how have you chaps been all right man like um yeah like we we missed we missed an episode last week and we uh, did. i don't know if people were expecting us to come back and and have two weeks worth of stories 
but it's still like locked <laughs> lockdown's easing but it's not it's not gone so i've really not got that much to say no we've um we've got elsa's part elsa's birthday on friday Oh. Uh, so happy happy birthday, Elsa! Happy birthday, Elsa! Happy birthday, happy Elsa. birthday Elsa! So yeah, it's gonna be um, you know, it's gonna be odd because we're gonna have to have a Zoom party and stuff like that. Um, but then she goes back to school on Monday. Okay. Uh, into a, what sounds like a very weird environment, but um, how are you feeling about that? Conflicted. Mm. Has to be said. Conflicted. Uh, she desperately craves the social aspect of school. Um, and yeah, sometimes homeschooling is tough. Sometimes it's a dream. Today we did so much, so much. She just literally just literally put sums in front of her. She'd smash for them. And in other times I try and she's just not in the mood. <laughs> um, so yeah, so for that, I, I think it's a good thing. But it's, yeah, we're, we're still not any closer to this uh, virus being contained or a vaccine being found or... You know, even the death rate coming down. So it is a little bit like, hmm, what, what, what was it all for? So we've yeah. been on this Zoom call now for thirty minutes, and none of you have commented on my homemade haircut. I is was, that, that you... I was going to mention it. Um, looks, uh, you're too busy so, laughing. It looks a little. Uh, <laughs> it looks alright. Looks good. What are you going to say? Looks alright. A little bit furor. <laughs> 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 I know, it's meant to be up. It's because I've just washed my hair. It's meant to be up. <laughs> With the side parting as well. I know, it's it's supposed to be up. you got to imagine it up here. Yeah. It's not it's not meant to be flopping down. For the benefit of uh, the home weirdos, Joe is desperately trying to sh- put it into some sort of mohawk. Um, some sort of, <laughs> just anything non-Fura is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Pile power. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not the look for me. Although, what's annoying is like it looks. It looks even worse. But I thought having like cleaner sides. That was all I wanted. Like cleaner, short back and sides, so it would look better wearing a cap. Because mm. this is not Ooh. a time for good haircuts. No one's got a good haircut at the moment. But then I put on a baseball cap, and it's. <laughs> I look. I look bald. I look worse. I look even more it, offensive. Oh, what being bald means you look worse. Um, not, not, no. As in, I look like I'm bald on purpose. Not your bald. Right. <laughs> you know, I discovered the other day, and this really, this really annoyed me, is whenever I bald. used to go. Well, it was just a new level of the baldness that really <laughs> upset me. Oh, oh, sorry. When I used to go get a haircut, I would always say, short back and sides, just a little off the top. Yeah. That's always what I got, and now the haircut I, I could, the only haircut I could grow, is everything off the top. Long back and sides. <laughs> Please, oh, tuck. Please yeah. grow it. No, I'm, I can't. I'm not doing it. I'll, I'll punch you, a mirror or something. I couldn't do you'll it. You'll be Larry David. <laughs> I, I, I can't. No, because it just, it just hangs down. It's all like... Dang. It's do you know, do you know it's, it's funny? Now it's that like you said that, it, it just takes me back to when I first came to, to our school, when I first joined. Mm. And... Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, but we, we had an RE teacher called Mr. Brown. Yes, ham. <laughs> and, and the, man, the man was called Ham Sandwich, not Ham and Butter yeah. Sandwich. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> but he was the first person like in real life that I ever encountered that had that haircut. <laughs> did, it, did it garner him like, any respect at all? Oh, you were there? Of course not. No, of course not. <laughs> 
he got he got locked in a cupboard by his own students. He was like he was like a he's like a cartoon character, like 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 someone from Tintin or something, right? Because he, he he had this really soft uh, northeast lilt. Because yeah. he, was, he was a bit like Mark Lawrenson. He had just had this little... Yes. I know yes. you got Mark Lawrenson's Yorkshire, but he had the, the so, slow pacing of Mark Lawrenson, but it was, it was northeast. Do you know, um, now that you say that, I feel like they sounded exactly the same. Yeah, in my head, yeah. I can only hear him now with Mark Lawrenson's yeah, voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody let me out of this cupboard. Like, yeah, that sort of... <laughs> You know, I feel like words spread about him in terms of because even year sevens weren't giving him any respect. Year sevens, yeah. day one, like I, th- I feel like people were told in year five, right? When you get to St Columbus, Mister Brown, no one pays attention to him. Just shout no. am and don't you don't need to listen to anything he says. And the thing is, it's bad because looking back, he, like at the time, it was just it was a load of fun, right? But looking back, he he was he was a nice guy. And yeah, we, he, we, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't one of the bad guys. Like there are a no. couple of people at the school that you could you could see. Uh, you might have been a bad guy. You maybe you used to be a bad guy, and you're reformed. But Mr. Brown, like, he didn't cause anyone any harm. He just didn't. <laughs> he just didn't I command said, yeah. any respect. <laughs> so, he was, yeah. Um, yeah, Ted from Scrubs. If you've ever watched that, the <laughs> yeah. lawyer. He was Ted from Scrubs. He's just you know just a bit of a seemed seemed a bit of a doormat really. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so you, you, you joined the school in year eight, yeah? I did, yeah. Yeah, first day of year eight. First day of year eight. Where, where were you before that? Did you, did, you, did you grow up in the same area as us? No, no, I didn't. So I, I, I grew up in Deptford, South East London. Um, right, okay. Near where I'm living now. Yes, very yeah. close to where you're living now. Near, near where I've lived in the past, Deptford. Oh, yeah, you I lived, lived in New, New Cross, I lived in New Cross. Yeah. yeah, you see, that's the thing. See... If you speak to anyone who's actually raised in Deptford, they'll tell you, like, <laughs> Deptford Bridge isn't real Deptford. That's like, that's yeah. like pretend Deptford, right? Like, you've you got to go a bit deeper in. I don't know if you know where the, there's a McDonald's on a hill. Um, if you go, if you're on your way to Surrey Keys. Yes, um, yes, I do. Yeah. That's, that's Deptford. <laughs> that's Deptford. Yes. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah. that's Deptford. And that's where I grew up. I was there until I was, uh, until 98. And then, um, and then we up sticks to Bexley Heath. So I did year seven at a school. In, I was at a school in Bromley for year seven. And then, um, and then, yeah, came came to good old St Columbus. And um, <laughs> it was it was it was a big adjustment adjustment because I I was in a mixed secondary school. And then obviously, right? Oh, my word! Yeah. You left you left the ladies behind. Which come... which Bromley school was it? It's called Bonus Pastor. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like board. It's like Downham. Downham, like kind of just before. Well, Bromley, but not deep Bromley. The thing is, it's crazy because when I when I when my dad first told me about the school I was going to, he showed me the pres- the prospectus, and I was looking. <laughs> I at haven't thinking, heard that word since uh, year seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When when you need yeah. to go to schools, right? Um, and I was looking <laughs> at it, thinking, I don't see any girls on there. That's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he told me it was a boys school and I, I honestly I was I was livid I was furious <laughs> I, I was like I'm not leaving the, the thing is I, I know for a fact if I'd stayed there my grades would have been way better because I think when you from a gut from, I feel like girls do better in a girls school because they're just all like 
got their head screwed on and they're just mm. not all obviously but majority the majority of them have their head screwed on but um obviously we, i never messed around as much as i did when i joined st columbus in school like i can't <laughs> honestly it was just crazy but in my, when i was in year seven the minute you thought about messing around the girls would look at you like what the hell are you doing why are you wasting right. time you're so immature yeah. and then you just feel stupid and you just wouldn't do it so yeah 11 you know, or 12 years old, having having a girl have a go at you in front of other people was yeah. mortifying. And when you're in year seven, or yeah, when you're in year seven, the girls are, you know, they always say girls mature better than boys. And when you're mm. in year seven, that maturity gap is very, very real. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so you know, yeah. they, they held us accountable. And then, sure. and, um, yeah, and I came to St. Columbus and it, and it all fell apart, basically. <laughs> <laughs> On, on the scale of, of well-behaved and bad-behaved kids, you were definitely towards the well-behaved. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. I, I had well, a gave, couple of... Gave, um, there's a few teachers you, you gave a hard time to, but we all gave a hard time to, to mm. a, few, a few teachers. There, yeah. was nothing, yeah. there was nothing we did that I would say was heinous or expel-worthy. <laughs> I, had a couple, I, had, I had one or two indiscretions, I think, um... One in particular that I got in the most trouble with because I had a, because I had a, I got told by uh, Mr. Fripps, he said to me, uh, the only reason you're not getting suspended is because you have your records clean so far. Um, right. And then I ended up getting two five o'clock detentions. But what, ordinarily... What did you do? That's pretty good. Only two. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I was a good... Like, to be fair, in my defence, it was an accident, right? I um, I was trying to get like... I had, you know the fountain fountain pens. I was yes. I, I had like, you know, when you get to the end of it. You get to the end of your your cartridge, and then it's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to get like, to yeah. get ink ink out of the pen. And yeah. naturally, you just give it a couple of flicks, and then you're good to yeah. go for maybe another page. I did that, <clears> and you know, how was I to know that the teacher was stood right next to me, right? So, <laughs> no, which went, teacher? It went all over a white shirt, um, oh. and. Yeah, it it wasn't good, but I I didn't say anything. I we went off to our next class, and then I knew I was I knew I was in for it because we were in our next class, and then we had Mister Fripps and someone else, maybe Mister Head of Year. I can't remember what his name was, but they both the two of them came into our into our class that we had into our science class, and they were stood in the doorway. And they were like, right, something's happened in your last class. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, this is not going to be good. Um, and want- yeah, and I, I just owned up to it straight away. As soon as they said who did it, I was just like, yeah, it was me. It was an accident. Um, I didn't say anything because X, Y, and Z. Um, and uh, yeah. What was your first thoughts of Bex the Heath? Uh, different. <laughs> it was it was different in that we were different. Obviously, we came in into we came in as a black family into a street where there was no other black families, and that was like you know you just got to be really conscious about you know. Well, you don't have to be conscious, but it's difficult to not feel conscious. Um, yeah. You know, there might be no issues, but um, it's difficult to not be aware of it. So. Ended up being fine. My parents still live there now. We're talking now, what, almost, well, not, yeah, more than 20, 
my maths, help me with my maths here. I think it's 20 years. Uh, top, uh, top worm nine, so just over 20 years. Just over 20. <laughs> 20. Is, it, is it right? It, it is right, years. but Tom's not going to accept it. No. Mm, Tom, Tom's yeah, going to accept six I'm, months. Yeah, it's not that. T- I've not. Uh, how, how can we do. 20 years was the 80s <laughs> for me. <laughs> 20 years ago was the 80s. That was, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, it's right. It's, it's, it's 21 years. 21 years. Um, that they've been living there now um, and uh, yeah you know it's all good obviously we wouldn't have stayed you know for that mm. long if it, if it wasn't yeah. the case so but the fact what you just said that you had to be con- you shouldn't have to be conscious but it it, it was um, you know whether whether people meant to make you feel conscious but the fact that you know that you're the first black family to move in means that was either pointed out to you or at one stage you stood, looked and realised that, you know, for you to know that fact? Well, I think, I think generally we were, we were very aware that Bexley Heath was very different to Deptford um, mm. overall in terms of um, the, the mix of people. Um, but I think, so I, I, it was easy to notice it because it, was, it wasn't just on our street, it was everywhere, right? In, in kind yeah. of, in the locale. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yes, diff- difficult to not notice it, but but also um, we moved in and our neighbour's house went up for sale straight away. You're kidding! And bearing in mind, I'm I'm like twelve years old, so I, I, I'm the concept of people buying and selling houses is I'm not really familiar with it at this point. But sure. all I know is that for sale sign was up so fast. And and the thing is that lady, the lady was an old couple that lived there, really unfriendly, like super super unfriendly, like. Um, I'm I'm there with my brother and sister. There's like we're all the same age, so I, I'm I'm 12 at the time. My brother's 11 and my sister's 10. So we're just like we've got now got a massive garden where we lived in a block of flats before. There was no garden, so we were like we were yeah. playing anywhere we could. So to have a garden, it was like a crazy no- crazy novelty. So we're in there playing with the, like one of those plastic air floater balls, and it went into this little kind of crease between the two houses in the gardens. So we were like reaching down in it to get the ball. This lady comes out like on the warpath. You'd think we were like lighting her garden on fire or something. <laughs> like, what are you doing down there? Get out of there. You're not supposed to be there. You, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be coming anywhere near our garden and all this kind of stuff. So uh, immediately we're kind of like, well, she don't like us. But yeah, we didn't. Yeah. Thing is in Deptford, Deptford's like very, very like, it's mostly black people around there. So I, I wasn't, I didn't have, any kind of racial encounters when I was in Deptford. Mm. So for me, even at the age of 12, even seeing the house got for sale and um, the way she was with us, I still didn't think, oh, this must be clearly because they're not comfortable with us being here. Sure. Um, but, you know, as time went on, you know, that, that couple were there for, ended up being there for probably about, I'd say the next 10 years that we were there. Um, obviously, unfortunately, the market didn't let them sell their home. Of course, it did. Um, so, uh, so they ended up they ended up staying, and you know, the whole time they were like, the to be fair, the man wasn't that bad, but the lady was really like super unpleasant. I remember once I was. This is how I know they were there for quite a while because I was driving now. This is many years later, and I was I had I had my famous. Uh, red Nissan Almera. <laughs> is, is that the one you put in? Is that the one you put in a ditch? 
it is the one I put in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's the storyline. <laughs> um, and I'd, I'd, so our driveway kind of slopes downwards. So I had, I'd had my car in the driveway and it was facing forward. And because our driveway sloped downwards, it was always really annoying. Like I would have to always have the handbrake up to get the car started and then, and then kind of push off. But I was yeah. waiting. I think I was waiting for my brother. In, I think I was waiting for my brother inside. And rather than sit there with the handbrake on or, you know, sit there trying to keep the car on the, on, on the slope, I pushed the car slightly up so that it kind of sat a bit flatter on the pavement. Mm. This lady comes out of her house and instead of walking around the front of my car, bearing in mind, I'm not, like the front of my car isn't in the road. It's still like on the pavement. So she, she didn't need to go into the road. She just stood there and was like, I need to go, I need to get past. And I was like, well, walk around then. Like, it, like <laughs> it's not difficult. And she was like, you shouldn't be having your car on the drive. Like, you know, f- just f- for no reason. And and the thing is, it's weird because other people will point to it and say, look, we've all had crappy neighbours, right? So she doesn't mm. sound any different to any other crappy neighbour. How can you, how can you put it down to, to the fact that you guys were the first black family or whatever? And then, you know, I, I can't really, to be honest, but mm. it's it's not something I can, I can, she never categorically ran in, in into our front door and started shouting the N-word at us or whatever. But you, you just, like, she was friendly with everyone else apart from yeah. us. And we had, we had done, uh, we had right. That was what I was going to ask, actually. Yeah, right. it adds up. Yeah, um, I think, I think the people that, it's funny. I, I've always found that people people expect that people will have all these kind of weird thoughts towards not just black people, but say any other any other race or whatever that isn't their own. And um, and for them, they can have those thoughts. And as long as they they're not walking up to a black person and like I say, shouting out the n word or you know calling them a black this or a black that. And as far as they're concerned, I'm not a racist. It's almost like you need to be doing something overly egregious sure. to, to, to be racist. And then the thing is, that's not the only way to be racist. You know, there's just so many other ways to be racist other than, than shouting out names or whatever. Mm. Um, but I think people's bar for it is very different. When, when, you, when you moved in to the, uh, to the house and the, and the neighbour's sign <clears throat> immediately went up, w- were you conscious of that uh, that age or was it something maybe your parents had said like had you actually noticed it my yeah, no oh, we noticed oh yeah we definitely noticed it go mm. up but we didn't we didn't assign it to us being black because as far as we we're concerned like you know i guess we were a bit oblivious to it being from sure. being around mostly black people up until this point sure we're kind of oblivious mm. to how how things might end up being right we we've gone in and we're kind of naive almost to the point where we're kind of moving in and we're like yeah you know everyone will treat us the same way that we were treated when we were in Deptford mm. um so no we didn't and my parents so my parents their attitude is very much like you know just get on with it right mm. we can't we're not they didn't make a big deal about anything they never said to us oh <clears throat> ever and this is ever right this person's racist or that person's racist because they saw it as um, 
sometimes almost as a cop out for mm. for quitting for quitting not for, for quitting or for pulling out of stuff or whatever right like at the end of the day the way they saw it was people are going to be racist right that unfortunately mm. that's the mindset that a lot of especially especially those that are coming from africa or from the caribbean they come thinking that they're going to be up against it like you know they, they're coming for for the opportunities of of building a life building a better life um being able to grow their businesses or being able to study or do whatever but when they come they're like you're going to be up against it from the get-go so don't sit there crying when it comes to reality just get on with it keep doing what you went there to do so mm. that that mentality came down into my childhood so that's why i say we didn't ever consider racism or whatever the whole time that we were in Deptford and only started to consider it by ourselves when we started to come up against stuff um but never from my parents and they wouldn't they wouldn't hear it from us either if if i went to my parents and i was like oh this teacher don't like me because i'm black my dad would not have it at all he'd be like that doesn't stop you from opening your books does it Right, you know, so it's that it's that kind of mentality. That's that's almost that's kind of like it's like almost a healthy attitude, but also like a heartbreaking one. The fact that like like sort of non-white people that aren't come from England, if they're coming to England, are sort of just resigned to the fact that well, I'm not going to get the same amount of opportunities, or I'm definitely going to be judged. Like they're they're assuming the worst immediately, which is yeah. Like, oh, here's, you wake up in the morning, you go, okay, here's a bunch of hurdles I just know I'm going to have to face today, despite <laughs> despite not having done anything any different. I'm just going to have to face these hurdles. Yeah, going back to to you saying, like, when, when you moved, that was the, when you moved to Bexley, if that was sort of the first time you'd sort of been made aware, or sort of first time you'd sort of realised the, you know people might treat you differently what was like what was the first time you realized that people looked at you as something different hmm uh or is there is there not one thing was it just a, a, an accumulative thing over time i don't think it was a t- i don't think there was one i can't think of a, like a turning point per se i think i, I just i think like i say uh, after a while when you become when you start to become more conscious of the fact that you are a minority because don't obviously I'm an I'm a minority in in England and in London right but mm. in Deptford I wasn't in Deptford mm. I was a vast majority right so for me being in Bexley was the first time that I felt like a minority so um because of that I I was initially quite just generally quite conscious especially coming into into the school and then being in our year group of 150 kids being one of five black kids mm. that was like yeah. that was like wow this is like this is way different to anything I'm, i've i experienced ever i've never been on i've never been on this like the the small side of the of the number do you know what i mean like i've never been five out of 150 yeah, you know yeah. in my, my primary school i was like one of i would say 98 99 percent of the black kids in the school. So yeah, literally. So, um, so you become more conscious about it and then you start to, and then you get a few kids who would say, um, like they'd, they'd have an outburst, like a racist outburst. I had that once from a friend, I won't name names, but at the time he was a friend. He used to come to my house. We used to walk to school in the morning and, um, we're playing football on, on the school field. 
this this must have been I must have been year nine or something at this point, and um, playing football on the school field. And bearing in mind, I've met his I've met his family and stuff like that. Like we used to like go to each other's house and like walk to school, and then I think he, someone had fouled him. And being a stupid kid, like stupid kids do, I I laughed because I I didn't realize it was serious, and I I was I did like proper big laugh, and the response was, "Oh, shut up, you black c word." Um, and uh, and that was the first time I was like, whoa. And then obviously afterwards, he was immediately like apologetic, like, oh my God, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm still going to come to your house in the morning and we'll walk to school together. Like, it just came out. And and honestly, just... like, even then as a youngster, I was kind of like, that, that's kind of worse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of worse that it came out because that means that's brewing in your, that you know that's in you. Like, that's in you. how do you how do you rationalize that? Like, do you think he's just said something he's heard but doesn't properly understand? Oh, or, no. or he's just trying to cut older. deep, or or it's like this guy is definitely he's racist, but but he knows it's wrong to be racist, so he just hides it. None, actually. I don't. I don't think any of those things. Well, I, I mean, I, I think definitely think we were old enough we 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 knew right from wrong by this point like i say we're we're year eight year well, probably year nine by this point like yeah. everyone mm. knows what racism is we we're not stupid by this point like we might be 13 14 but I'd, i feel like sometimes we don't give kids that age enough credit so yeah. we knew we definitely knew what was what um i don't think he was well depends how you d- define racist right but i think he still generally wanted to walk to school together and all those kind of things but i think Deep down, there was this, there was this belief, this feeling that you know what, like, white white kids are better than black kids, right. white people are right. better than black people, and so the fact that you you want to call me a black, some you want to use black as an insult, mm-hmm. means that you must, it must, like, you know, you must feel that you're better because it's not like for me, it's, black is not an like, black is not an insult to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I'm happy to be black. Do you know what I'm saying? So how are you going to use it and say uh, it's like if someone's rich? Oh, you rich this? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm rich. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's it's not an insult, but you're using it as an insult, which means that you feel like that's something that is insult worthy. And if you feel that way, then deep down inside of you, you feel like you're better. Now, I would class that as racism, but some people would only class it well, as racism if he calls me the N word. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did he show any signs before that? Was it literally out of the blue? Out of the blue. Nothing before that. Absolutely zero. Like and was zero. your friendship was your friendship pretty much done from that point? Uh, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't the same. Like I say, he was crazy remorseful. Like, like super. Mm. Like, he literally wouldn't was badgering me. Um. Uh, but no, I but don't. But was that because he same. thought you could tell someone and get him in trouble, or was he reckon he was actually sorry? Yeah, no, no, it wasn't about him getting in trouble. He was genuinely like, I'm embarrassed. I think he was embarrassed because it, it, the thing is, it wasn't. I can only speak from what I saw, but it wasn't in his family or anything like that. Like there'd be times right. when I'd be walking to school, and he's he's maybe he's running late, and so I'm walking by myself, and because he's running late, his mum's decided to take him to school to drive him, and they'd right. they'd drive past me as I'm walking, and they'd stop and. T- to give me a lift the rest of the way. They didn't have to do yeah. that. They could have just kept going, right? If they had true kind of, um, you know, negative feelings towards black people. But obviously, yeah. there's, like I say, it's, it's something, it's not that they, they have that as a cult. I just think there's something ingrained. Something ingrained where it's like, you think you're better than me solely it's, because yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, like a, or a you deep... just think white is better than black. Yeah. It just comes down deep, to that. It's not, I don't hate you because of it. Yeah. He didn't hate me. He didn't hate me. He liked me. Then stop him thinking that he was better because he was white, you know? Mm. Yeah. Like I say, there's sprinkles of that all through my time. There was nothing that, apart from the football thing, there was nothing overt, like outright racist things said to me. Mm. But loads of racist things happen around me. And again, it's not anything that I could go around and say, hey, this person said that because it would just get denied. Mm. There wasn't any witnesses. The only one that where people blatantly heard him was the football one. Um, but, you know... It, it, did, that, did it never go through your mind to report that? No. Nah. No, no, it was, no. It when you're a kid, you don't do you? Just, you don't. Not grasp, in our school. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those things where, yeah, it wasn't a grass. And the thing is, I mean, I'm I'm six foot one now, but I haven't I haven't grown since probably year ten. So I was I was like a big I was a big kid. Same. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't grown since uh, year five. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I I was I was a big I was I was twice the size of the kid. So you know, from like from my own pride perspective, why I'm, like, why why would I go running to the teacher? No, it's like. It, I was I was obviously not happy about what happened. It was probably, possibly the first time in my life that someone had like looked in my face and said something racist. Um, so it was shock initially, and then it became anger. But obviously, by the time it became anger, I was in class, back in class again. Mm-hmm. So, and then by then, I just decided, you know what? I know what my dad's attitude is going to be if I do anything to this kid. My dad's my dad's not going to be for it because he's mm-hmm. going to be like, well, you know what? People are gonna say stuff. Unfortunately, that's how that's how the world is. At some point in your life, people are gonna say stuff, and if you want to go to uni and all of this kind of stuff, you can't have suspensions and etc. It sounds like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just sounds like your dad was just resigned to it. You know, like like he didn't have not not that he didn't have to fight for it. He just didn't want. He just you know just to get his head down and you see. Well, you know, it's it's sad to say, but. Yeah. You know, I yeah, he was, and I am too. Yeah, like as in from for my son, I am. I'm like like it's it's something that we consider. We we got to think about where we're gonna live. Like you know, it, uh, I, you know, I would prefer that we don't raise Cameron in in a city London. Um, because it was it was nice having like you know space, football fields, all all that kind of stuff. I think the crime's a bit less outside of any city London. But at the same time, I don't want to go too far out of inner city London for him, for you know, for the ratios to be kind of divided again, not divided, but yeah. to, to be, for him to be on what, like one of five out of 150, yeah. for him to have to hear some of the things that I heard, you know, growing yeah. up. And, and But the thing is, part of me is like, well, maybe he should hear it so it toughens him up because it's going to get worse as he gets older. You know, that's, that's yeah. these are the things that we've we've got to think about sometimes. So... And then we've got to think about how we're going to deliver that. Are we going to wait for him to experience it and then let him come home and tell us? And then we're like, hey, look, this is what you have to deal with. Or do we school him and risk making him an angry child before he's even, you know, read read his first book? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's crazy, right? So, you know, these are the the times. And, And the sad thing is you look at stuff like what happened to George Floyd. Obviously, that one is as angered everybody um more so than the other ones that have happened but yeah that's the that's the point is other ones have happened and yeah. it's not like the last one that happened was five years ago 
You know, like it, yeah. the things are happening frequently. There's going to be kids who who grew up in a social media age who are like I don't know, thirteen, where you know for the last six or seven years that they've been conscious and sitting on social media, they're seen on a regular basis. You know, yeah. we, when we were younger, mobile phones and stuff weren't weren't common. Like social media wasn't a thing, right? When we were younger, so we would only see what we saw or hear yeah. from other from other people what they what they heard, but if stuff was going on in America, unless it made the, mu- the news, we weren't going to hear about it. Mm, but there's yeah. kids who see it frequently. And the thing is, I was, I was heightened to it at a young age once I'd kind of got to, to our school. But kids who are 11 younger are going to be way more heightened to it yeah. uh, going, you know, now. Do you think that's a good thing about social media? Because as, as much as I'm seeing, like, it's, it's great for s- spreading the awareness I keep falling down these holes, uh, like Twitter conversations, where you're just seeing people expose like the ugliest sides of themselves, and it's almost like they've mm. got free reign to do so. So, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, I mean, Will Will Smith said it right. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have seen the quote. He said something like, uh, "Racism isn't getting worse; it's just getting filmed." Getting filmed. Mm. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And and, and the thing, I I I've said it. I said it before I'd even heard the quote. I didn't say it so eloquently, but I've said, I said it. I said it the same way. Like I'm not sure. People are like, "Oh, racism's crazy today," and I'm like, is it <laughs> "Like though? it's the weather." Yeah, like, I mean, no, sorry, it's a really it, bad racism outside <laughs> today. Yeah, but like, my thing is that it, yeah, it's crazy. It's but always has been. You're saying yeah. like like there was like like ten years ago it was it was way better. Like I'm not sure that it was. You know, we I just weren't seeing it. Yeah, I think. Um, I think the rise of uh, Trump and Brexit over the last few years, I mean, essentially what, what Pat's saying, the people Pat's talking about on Twitter is essentially who is in the White House. There's essentially a Twitter troll yeah. in the White House who will stir up racial tension. You see, there was a can... thing this week. There was this, um, this guy had created a Twitter account that was basically tweeting everything Trump tweeted and it got shut down within like three days for violating the rules. Like, yeah. the, the account got suspended. <laughs> Oh, and all it was doing was tweeting exactly the same as him. Uh, but wow. yeah, it's it's he, even... he gives yeah. I think we're going to say the same thing, Joe. Like I think, I think he, the way he is and who he is, has basically given all of the, you know, the the, the formerly undercover racists like like massive confidence to just come out now and just be a bit more brazen, well, a lot more brazen about it, um, and. And unapologetic about it because every time, yeah. you know, it's 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 like I I I've not been paying too much attention to his Twitter, but I feel like I remember, and Joe, you might remember this as well. I feel like I remember way more outrage coming out of him for the players kneeling for the American anthem yeah. than there was towards this this uh, this Absolutely. police officer kneeling on George Floyd's neck. Like yeah. way way more. Oh, I mean, yeah. he was he was livid. Like I mean, I was. I was watching, you know, a big NFL fan, and uh, I know you are as well, Joe. At the time that the whole kneeling thing was happening, like, I was like, I was there, like, not there physically, but like live. Obviously, I was watching the games and stuff mm. like that. I was seeing it, and he he called them sons of bitches. Yeah. Right? Mm. I didn't see any kind of expletives directed towards the police officer that knelt on George Floyd's neck. Not one. Mm. Not one. In I, fact, I, in fact I all he did was talk about the rioters. And how? Yeah. If you, if what did he say? Something you like, see, is, if, if you, you start looting, we start shooting. He quoted yeah. um, 
Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get it wrong. But get it wrong. It was some old old mayor from like the sixties. Yeah. yeah. Um, Crazy, yeah. right? And and the thing unreal. is, you know, if, if that's the, if that's the guy who's at the top, then why why should why should if you're a racist if you're a racist why should you mask it? Because but even you know, bringing it closer guy. to home, some of the things that Boris Johnson has said, yeah. on record, not long ago as well. Yeah, recently. You know? That's the thing. Yeah, describing Muslim women as letterboxes. Mm. You know, it's it, and I think that's where a lot of people. I think that's probably another thing that you know, in the in the, in the, the fight to combat racism, one of its greatest foes is complacency. You know, and there probably is that. Well, probably there is a load of uh, British people watching the scenes in America, and going, "Well, it's not as bad as over here," and it's mm. like that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Yeah, there's not that. I mean, there just seem to be like a real. There's a rawness I, I, I in America. I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure that I even agree with that. To be honest, I think the reason why it doesn't feel as bad is because the police here are not armed, right? Mm-hmm. And generally, the general public are not armed. But mate, like. If if we had the same gun laws as America, do you think that there wouldn't have been an Ahmad Arbery already by now in the UK? Like I oh, mean, no, I, I, the, I mean, I'm Ahmad Arbery is, with, is, I, I mean, Stephen Lawrence is Ahmad Arbery, right? You realise? I mean, it still took them three days to arrest the uh, the officer because they have such protection. Yeah, um, they got a lot of union go, union protection. Yeah. There's a lot of hoops you got to jump through, but hell of a lot. What blew my mind seeing the footage there's three other cops standing next to him why don't they just arrest him straight away yeah it's mad it's mad how can you kneel on a guy's neck mm. for eight and a half minutes and not like that's where you that's where you know someone could say I've, I've, I've seen once again like you Pat you just you flick through the, the bottom of the comments and you just you really see the absolute um, sewer dwellers. Oh yeah, what yeah. happened? What happened before the video was was started? Like all that. What happened before the video? Rubbish. Oh, have you seen this rap sheet? And yet, yeah, this rap sheet has been produced. And you just think, well, what were we doing per executions in the street? Now is that what we're doing? We're going through people mm-hmm. looking at their past and going, right, we're killing him. We're Do you know what? Her. I, I like. I saw us like it's crazy because I, I saw a couple of comments like, oh, we don't know what happened before the video started, and I was like, well, what what would he have done to have justified that? Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's almost like I, I, it doesn't even matter what was in the video. Like he could, he could have been doing a lot of things, right? The minute you cuffed yeah. him, that was the danger over. Like, yeah. like yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Like even if he was like beating someone up, even if he was stabbing someone, killing someone, right? Obviously, I'm not yeah. advocating killing anyone, right? But no matter how bad he, whatever thing he was doing that was terrible, you've cuffed him now, and he's on the floor. Mm. I don't know why that's so hard for some people. I don't know why they they either feel the need to derail the debate or maybe it helps them sleep at night going, oh, what I saw was so horrific. There must be more to it. And that's just how they... I I don't understand. I I just can't... There's there's nothing more to... Like, there there couldn't be... Like, I said this in our WhatsApp group the other day. I I can guarantee, right, that if a man was handcuffed and you told... Any any four of us, big or small, get him into the back seat of that car, and he's handcuffed. I promise you, we'll be we'll find a way to do it without killing him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You've got four police officers, and you know what? You know what? The crazy thing for me is, is that, that again, imagine if we were police officers, 
and one of us, we know the way to arrest someone, right? We know the way to detain someone. And one of us was blatantly doing something that wasn't in the handbook. You've got three other people mm-hmm. that know the right way that for eight minutes didn't think to say, no, 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 don't do that. That, that makes me think that this is normal, right? And this, that, that's what makes me think that this is, like the fact that none of them had a conscience to be like, okay, and not only, not, the thing is, it's not even that none of them said anything. It's the fact that none of them said anything knowing that there were a bunch of people there filming it. Yeah, it's like, do yeah. you think that you're that untouchable that you can have this filmed and you're going to keep doing it? It's crazy. And that's the thing that's scary. These are just four, right? But how many others? You know, yeah. I've seen the loads of police, police footage of how they're dealing with the riots. And that's after this uh, George Floyd's murder. You know, they're still acting crazy out there. Um, loads of pictures of them like doing these kneeling. And, and one, I saw one girl's post. Um, <clears throat> someone posted a picture of police officers supposedly kneeling in solidarity with um, the protesters um, who were doing a peaceful protest. And they were kneeling in solidarity and someone had posted this picture. And then um, the person who actually took the photo commented and was like, I took this photo. Don't be fooled by this fake act of solidarity. As soon as they took this picture, they were up laughing at everybody that was protesting and pushing people around and all of that kind of stuff. They literally did it for a bit of promo. That was it. You know, that's, that's that's the scary thing in in um in the states and obviously the fact that they're doing the they're doing these marches it's another thing that annoys me is they're doing these marches as black lives matter and then you've got a whole bunch of people with the all lives matter debate and it's like Uh, what are you doing like it's it's like you're missing the point here it's almost like they're willfully missing the point. They're actually going out of their way to miss the point. You know, yeah, on nine eleven, all buildings matter. You know, <laughs> did, you see, did you see the image on social media of the like the fire? Like they they try to explain uh, Black Lives Matter by the images of yeah. uh, the burning building. house on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, all, and, all houses matter. I've yeah. seen so many different ways of kind of explaining it, but the thing is. You know, I I realized this a long time ago. People that don't want to know, those contrarians, there's nothing that you're gonna say that's gonna yeah. make them like they're not they're not they're not willing to understand because you know I never hear anyone saying you know what I I think all lives matter, but explain to me what Black Lives Matter is like why yeah. black, explain it because I don't I don't get it right. People people that don't people that say all lives matter are not interested. If you say Black Lives Matter and people hit you with all lives matter. What they're saying is, I know you've got, I know that there are problems with black lives, but they're still not more important. Like you, you, it's like you're yeah. missing the point. They're still not mm. more important than everyone else's. And that's like when I'm not saying that black lives are more important. I'm saying that they're equal, but at the moment they're not being they're not being treated as equal, right? Mm. So therefore, I'm trying to remind everybody here, like, treat us as equal because we're not getting that right now. And and the thing is. I saw I saw this really, and again everyone we're all seeing the same videos on on like social media. But I saw this this like I don't know if she was like a lecturer or something, and she was in a room full of mostly white students, and she's a white lady herself, and she was she was like you know we can all see what's going on here. How many of you now would trade places of a black person in America? 
Like right that. now. Oh, is this the one stand up? Yeah, stand up. Yeah, yeah stand up if you would trade places yeah. with a black person in America right now. And no one stood. And then she was like, that should tell you all you need to know about what what black people are going what what black people face every day. If you wouldn't even want to step in their shoes, you wouldn't want to trade places, then you can't tell me that you're the same. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're not the same. Yeah. If you were the same, you would happily trade places, but you wouldn't. So, you know, how can we, you know, what can we, well, she didn't say this, but I took it as to say, you know, what can we do to to help get us on an equal footing? We, yeah. um, we spoke on the phone last night, yeah, and you said something that really stayed with me because it's something so simple that just made me think, well, it, it, it annoyed me because I, I, I'm quite, I like to think of myself as quite a considerate person. And when you said, basically, you said, so, you know, we go on stag do's when our friends, um, you know, get married and stuff. And you said, if one of us said, right, we're going to go to an Eastern European country, you would have to research whether that country would be okay for you to get. And that is something me, Pat and Joe would never have. We would never have to consider our safety. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. but also crucially something I'd never even considered that you might have you, to do or on, anyone on behalf would have of to you do. yeah yeah it's a real thing like and, I, and I'm not alone in that like for the most part a lot of countries and it's based on what we we see see and hear other minorities facing it's not just black people it's other minorities that are faced when they go there what what it can be like for them so yeah if someone's like yeah you know we're we're going to go to I went to Croatia a few years ago um, as soon as it was, it was. I was shown pictures. It looked amazing. I wanted to go, but mate, I'm not purchasing a plane ticket into love typed in black people in Croatia so I can know how they've been treated. Yeah. Because so many times, you know, I did it for Russia. Black people, not not that I was planning to go to Russia, but black people in Russia, mate, it was people getting spat in the face at restaurants mm. and that kind of stuff for no reason, literally like mm. nothing, no confrontation, no nothing people staring, you know, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's not even anything physical being said, but like, they're just staring at you. You get it at work as well, right? Like, uh, every time I've started a new company, if there's one black guy on the floor, like, before, I, I know for a fact that we're, within the next two weeks, we're going to end up being besties because, <laughs> like, <laughs> we're alone in this together. Not not alone, because people are friendly at work and stuff, right? Yeah. But we understand the situation that each of us is in that you know we are minority and we might have experienced some of the same things and mm. we might experience some more of the same things going forward you never know right so um but so, there, was yeah, a, so, there was a familiarity so that's that's quite interesting because obviously like, you know working for like a, a big company or or just most companies in london it's probably going to be a predominantly white workspace um did 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 you ever experience any difficulty with like coworkers or even just getting jobs and stuff? No difficulty with coworkers, no. Because I feel like, I guess it depends on what type of work you're in, right? But I, I've 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 got a city job, so when you're in office space, for the most part, you've got a certain caliber of people. These people are educated to a certain level. Um, they're and especially in London, I feel like in London now there's so many different cultures and so many different people. Not just blacks, you've got different variations of 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 other you know races, but even other other whites, right? Like other Europeans and 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 uh, other 
wherever, like New Zealand, Australia, you've got people from all over the place. So I think I've not, I've not experienced any um, kind of pure racism at work, but getting jobs, that is a whole other story. Like, that's hard. You know, that, that's... I, don't, don't get me wrong, there's so many factors that go into getting jobs, right? Experience, uh, qualifications and whatever. But, you know, I would, I'd even dial it back to when we were in sixth form. I remember we all got into, we're all just turned 16, we're all now legally able to work, right? And, and we're all looking for retail jobs so we can do part-time jobs whilst we, whilst we study for trying to get into uni. First year, everyone got jobs. I, I didn't have a job until my second year. I, I, I had handing out CVs all over the place. There's no difference between me and everyone else. Like we all had no experience. We, you know, it's retail. I, I, I couldn't understand why I was the only one that was struggling to get part-time jobs. And then I read an article about this, this Indian guy who had, he'd gone to a good uni, got good qualifications, had, had done like loads of graph doing um, like work experience and stuff and had been applying for roles at, an appropriate level for the experience he had and all that kind of stuff. And he wasn't getting anything. He literally wasn't getting anything. I don't know what his name was, but it was an Indian name, right? First and second name. And then he started to think it might be that. So he then started sending out CVs with an English name. I don't know, say Christopher Jones or whatever. It's probably a Welsh name, but you know, whatever. So, um, and then, and, and to the same jobs, to the same companies, right? That he had, and he didn't change anything on the CV apart from the name and started to get callbacks. Okay. And that's when I was kind of like, I, I, I was tempted, I wanted to, because obviously, as you know, like, my name's Yao, I, it doesn't, it, it couldn't be further from English, right? So, and then I started to look around at the people who were getting jobs at sixth form. You know, obviously we won't go through names, but English well, names. Jo- yeah. Joe, Pat and Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And 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 funnily enough, my black friends who were Caribbean, who had English names, also had jobs. Mm. Right. Because and my thing was all I wanted to do was just get in a real. I always felt like as soon as, as as long as I can get an interview, I'll be able to kind of win them over. I'll be able to go in there and and talk the talk, walk the walk, whatever. And I feel like I'd have a good chance of success. But I wasn't even getting a phone call. I wasn't getting interviews. I wasn't getting anything. Did it ever? Um, did it ever cross your mind that they might have looked at your permanent record and seen that you once inked a teacher, and they were just like, <laughs> "We can't, we just I, can't I, have this guy. <laughs> He's got a great CV." But uh, it's difficult to feel like you're not being sabotaged in some way. Yeah, <laughs> I can't say for certain that that is what it is. I've always got in the back of my mind yeah. that actually, this you know, I might not be hearing anything back because of my name. And again, it. it what makes it difficult is that, like I say, my Caribbean friends who have English names don't struggle for interviews. Mm-hmm. I find when I get to an interview, I'm all right. Like I say, generally it's, it's been a decent success rate, but I, you know, getting the callback is very difficult. And so, you know, it's nice. I would, I would love to be able to hand in a CV to a job and know for a fact that the reason I didn't get it was because the content on yeah. the CV wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, because of my past experiences, um, I've kind of felt like maybe that's had an impact. And it, it, like, for all we know, it hasn't. But for all we know, it has. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> man, we had teachers that 
would teach you for years and still wouldn't bother learning how to pronounce your name. Oh my god. They the would amount of people that called you your. At the start of every yeah. class. It's, come on. It, it did get funny, it actually. It still happens after, now. Like, cause when, like, in, year, in year eight, you would, t- you would like, gently correct them. It's like, oh, it's Yao, actually. But then <laughs> like, it would get to the point in like, year 10 or year 11, they'd go, your... It, like, this is what I would hear. Your... Yao. I wouldn't even say you knew it was coming you'd be looking down yeah yeah and the thing is I still get that now I get it at work and the thing is I get offended by it now because it's like I've told you what my name is I don't Mm -hmm. mind you getting it wrong the first time you've seen the spelling you might know how it's pronounced that's fine but after I've told you you know have the decency to to like to get it right do you know what I mean it's It's not not that difficult Mm. yeah it's like I get annoyed when people say two owl I'm like, fuck it. So I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine how annoyed that must make you. Like, Honestly, Tome. It's... So, oh, it winds me up. Like, come on. Tome to Al. The thing is, I, I've got to the point where initially I ignored it. For a little while, I ignored it. But then after a while, I was just like, no, I'm going to tell them how it is because mm. this is what my name is. And I'm yeah. calling you Michael or David. I'm calling you by your name and I'm pronouncing it right. So you're mm. going to do the same for me. So I got yeah. to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you what my name is. And I'm not yeah. going to be annoyed about it if you get it wrong the first time. I, I won't even be annoyed if you get it wrong second or third time. But but I'll correct you each time. But if, come on, man. Yeah, some fifth, of these teachers, it's like, time, well, it's like fifth, sixth year later. It's like, yeah, come yeah. on. What you were saying, because obviously in my, in the comedy industry, there's been, there has been a push for diversity for for more people of colour on television, which is great. But what we're finding is the gatekeepers are all still white. Mm. You know? <laughs> the thing is, you know, some of some of these things I mean Joe again, you will know you will know this. Like the NFL's got that. The NFL's got well, they, they, they have had for the last couple of years well, the last few years, uh this thing called the Rooney Rule, mm. which is is meant to incentivize the hiring of minorities because in, in the NFL I would say rough percentage about 95% of the of the players are black mm. but then if you look on the coaching side and the general manager side it's 95% white mm. right so in the NFL there more. are 32 teams yeah more so there are 32 teams in the NFL and there are four minority coaches one of them is Hispanic and three of them are black and and two of those only got hired in the last like two or three years but that's it's it's that like you say it's all encompassing isn't it mm. racism doesn't just exist in a certain portion of society it is in society so it's it will creep into your retail shops where mm. they're looking at who to hire it will creep into um you know who who are we going to put who who are we going to put front and center at our film to yeah. sell it yeah and the thing is, even if it doesn't right even if it doesn't even creep into it Unfortunately, because of our experiences, we don't get to apply for that job. We don't get to apply for that role in the movie and think anything other than, you know, we don't get to have that clear mind and think, okay, this is all going to be based on my talent. Like, it's, yeah. it's not. Like, well, maybe it is, but unfortunately, we, we're thinking wider than that. And we, But the thing is, you know, I hear sometimes people saying, you know, Saying to people, saying to black people about playing playing a race card, you know, oh, you're playing a race card again, or oh, that guy's playing a race card, yeah. And and someone said it to me before, and it's like, you know what? If I wanted to play the race card, you'd you would literally hear me playing that card. I mean, whilst we were growing up, you'd have heard me play that card at least once a week. The fact you didn't hear yeah. it 
So if you only heard it once a year, that means that one that one that year was that egregious that I had to speak out on it because I kept quiet for the others. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's it's so often and like and and it's difficult because it's so difficult to pinpoint and say well, he's being racist, but he didn't call me the N word, so it's you know, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to. I heard, I heard playing the race card being leveled at Anton Ferdinand when you go oh with John the Terry, card. yeah, he's not right. playing the race card. He's he's reported. <laughs> he's a victim. But yeah, he's a victim of racism. It's not. You know, we we don't have to. Me, Joe, and Pat don't have to play the race card. We we don't need a card. Don't have to do it anyway. Don't have to. You always, know what I mean? That's, always that's playing the thing. it, mate. So the <laughs> fact that there's this imaginary race card that um, you how know, dare you complain about what you think is what what you think might be racist? It, you know exactly. Mean? How dare you put that card? You know, the, the, this this imaginary card that is given out to these to people to go right when mm. I think. You know, I was just going to say, like, like the reaction when you play so-called hypothetical card is even then, all right, there's your get out of jail free. We'll give, get, we'll get allow a pass this time. Yeah. It's like, that's not even the reality. And this is the one time yeah. you're allowed to use it. <laughs> I think the most annoying thing is, is, is being, is being told how to feel about a perceived racist incident. Right, like by someone who has not been on the receiving end, or someone that tries to compare something that they've had, and it's like, okay, look, what you had in the past might have been racism, but that's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about today is this particular racist incident, and I believe it's racist, and I don't, and it's not for you to come and and minimize what I think is racist. If I think it's racist, then that's for me to think it. It's not for you to to kind of say to me. Oh well, actually, you know what? It might have been this, or it might have been that. That's it's like Tom. You've got like obviously you've got Elsa, right? It's like if you if you go into if you go into work and you you're complaining about like oh I'm like, imagine when she was younger oh I'm really tired like uh, had her in front of the TV because she was going crazy making so much noise and then someone who hasn't got kids telling you well why have you got in front of the TV? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what's it? What's it got to, like? Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you, you don't yeah. know what it's like to have kids. It's not exactly. your place. I saw it. One yeah. guy was watching his daughter, and she almost fell out of the cot, but he was on his phone. And then loads of people were commenting underneath saying, "Well, he should be paying attention to his kid." And 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 it's like, hold on, do you have any kids? Because you can't watch a child every second of every day. They they you no. you turn away for two seconds and and they're on the floor and there's nothing of you course. can do about yeah. it. But you know, it feels a lot worse when it comes from someone that hasn't got a kid because it's like you don't—you're not in my shoes. Yeah. You don't know what I'm dealing with, and you've got no yeah. right to tell me how I should parent. And that's exactly how you know I, I sometimes feel when. No, it's exactly how I do feel when someone's like, "Oh, well, that, that's not racist. That's it's like that's yeah. not for you to. You don't know what's. You can't, you can't tell me what's racist. You're not in my shoes. For instance, with the house going up for sale when we moved in." I, I put it down now to them being racist, right? That's my perception of it. And obviously mm-hmm. someone can come in and be like, oh, well, you know, maybe they just wanted to move um, or whatever. Okay, fine. That, but that's that's what you think. That's not what I think. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I, I tried to, t- I got told this and it really annoyed me. So I used the analogy, again, football analogy, which was imagine the whole world was broken up into, into people that wore Arsenal shirts and Tottenham shirts, right? And you couldn't take your shirt off. You couldn't take your shirt off. Like literally, it was it was it was tattooed on you, right? You couldn't take it off. And you went into a bar as a Tottenham fan, 
that you knew wasn't was an Arsenal bar. You couldn't take your shirt off and everyone in there was wearing Arsenal tops. And you go in there with your friends who are Arsenal fans as well. And they're all wearing Arsenal tops and you're the only one wearing a Tottenham top. You can't take it off. You can't put an Arsenal one on to, to disguise yourself. You don't want to. You're a proud Tottenham fan, right? So you want to wear your Tottenham shirt. So you go into this bar and everyone's getting served. Everyone's getting their, their drinks, their drinks, their drinks. But for some reason, you, the one Tottenham fan, isn't getting your drink. Now, it might just be because they ain't seen you. But it also might be because you're a Tottenham fan. So it's not for the Arsenal fans to be like, hey, they just haven't seen you. Mm. Um, well, actually, I think it's because I'm wearing this Tottenham shirt and it's not for you to tell me otherwise. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And, 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 and that kind of goes into everything. If you're, if you're wearing the, the majority, it, it, you, you, can't, you can't say to someone what things could have been. You know, like, because yeah. only they know. Like, it'd be terrible for me if a woman came out of a meeting of, of, of a meeting with a man um, and in that meeting she came out saying, well, he was saying this to me or saying that to me. I take that as sexism. I have no idea what sexism feels like coming from mm. a man. I can't tell her, well, you're wrong. Well, she mm. felt like the guy was being sexist and she has a right to feel that way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and, it, and it's yeah. those, kind of, those kind of things where... And then when you get annoyed about it, people want to tell you about why, why, why are you annoyed? You know, why are you annoyed that I, I don't think that that's racism? Well, it's because I'm not annoyed that you don't think it's racism. I'm annoyed that you're telling me that it's not. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I'm the one dealing with it. I've dealt with different, you know, different examples of this throughout, you know? So. It sounds like there's just a lot of people that even if they, they understand racism, they don't know what it feels like. They understand and maybe they can imagine, but they're not living with it every minute of every day so they don't they will never know so they're in no position it's easy to i guess look at a situation and decide what's happening in that situation but if you're looking at it from the outside you don't really know you don't have any history on on what that person's experienced before you have no idea why this person has started to feel like you know what this is a repeat of something that i've experienced 15 times before and this pattern tells me that there's a problem here do you know what I mean? Like, if you haven't felt a pattern happening to you and things happening to you constantly and now you're sitting there the 15th time, but for someone watching, that's the first time they've seen it. And for them, oh, it might just be a coincidence. But for me, this is a 15... 50, coincidences, coincidences don't happen 15 times, mm. right? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, if I say that that's not a coincidence, just take it as that. And and, okay. and and just and and let me believe it, and you can continue to not believe it. But I don't feel like people have the right to turn around and say, "No, you're wrong. That wasn't." Unless you know it for a fact, which you won't. I'm uh, I'm conscious of time and everything, yeah. But about six months ago, or whenever we were at uh, Steve's wedding, I talked to you about coming on the podcast uh, to talk about sort of transitioning into like a new creative career in your thirties. How's photography going? We know you're good, uh, but obviously, because you do uh, a lot of football photography, and that's obviously had to stop. How's it been going? Have you been able to keep it up at all during lockdown? Zero. Or? Absolutely zero, mate. No, you're not transitioned to, to wildlife? Photographs <laughs> and uh, pigeons? No. You know what? I, I, I'm literally only... I mean, football football is, is what like I wanted to do. Like, I... I I kind of got into photography by accident. Mm. I went, I was watching a football, I, I thought I liked taking pictures on holiday, so I bought a camera. And I went to watch a football match locally, just one of these local games. 
And I just happened to have my camera in my bag, started snapping a couple of shots. Looking back, they were terrible, but at the time, I thought they were amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then yeah, but the teams liked them. They were like, oh, yeah, let's uh, can we have those photos? Can you send them to us? Um, so after about four or five times of that happening, I set up a Twitter page and then started doing it a lot, lot more. Before I knew it, teams were trying to were wanting to pay me so I could come to them early, like quicker. And obviously over this time, I was kind of improving, like learning how to edit properly, learning how to kind of um, learning more about the camera. I'd go to games, I'd see other photographers there, would share tips on how to take photos, how to get the best angles. Mm. Um, And before I knew it, my work started improving to the point where I kind of felt like I'd outgrown my camera. So I'm actually in in the process of upgrading the camera. Um, nice. But obviously, I'm just holding off because there's there's nothing to take photos <laughs> of right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's gone well. Like I, I've got a, a, a small following on on Twitter and Instagram for for the photography, and um, it's a useful following. As in, it's a following that generally generates business. As in, teams yeah. will contact me and say, "Hey, uh, we've got a game in three weeks. Are you available? Um, can you come and take photos?" And and the good thing is now I've got to a point. It's only been a couple of years now, but I've got to a point now where I'll take an album. I'll take a. I'll, I went to a game once and I took a whole load of photos, um, and the guy wanted to pay me, and I refused to take the money because to me the photos were garbage. I was, no I was disgusted. Like oh, the wow. sun, basically, I just misjudged the sun, and the photos just came. I was on the wrong side of the sun. The photos just sure. came out really overexposed. Be honest. I, was it a really good game? that you were too engrossed in to have actually <laughs> no. snapped any photo. Is that a possibility, though? Have you ever missed no. something because you're too into what you're watching? Oh, oh, I've, I've missed loads. I've missed loads. <laughs> like, yeah. I haven't all the time. Um, sometimes it's just changing the battery and then, like, something crazy yeah. happens and you've missed it, right? But no, but this one, this particular game, the guy who hired me, his he was playing in the game and his brother was playing and their dad had come to watch and their dad was basically chatting to me the whole game, talking about, oh, yeah, that's my son, that's my son, that's my nephew, that one's my nephew. And and he was really distracting to the point where his son, who had hired me, shouted at him to leave me alone because he's like, unless you're going to pay for him. And I, I want him to, to keep to get on with the photos. Um, but I didn't like them, so I, he came, he gave me the money at the end of the game, and I said, you know what, hold on to them. I'll still give you the photos anyway, but when you... When you next have a game, let me come down and I'll do I'll do a proper album for you, um, and then and then you can you can give me the money then. Um, and he was like, "Oh no no, it's fine. Just take it anyway." I refused to take. I didn't take it, and I did the photos and I sent them to him, and he loved them. And I was thinking, "These are crap, mate." And he posted like posted them all over social media, like tagging me in it as well. And I'm like, "Mate, don't tag me." In this. Like, <laughs> Leave me out. Really bad. Um, but because I think now it's good because I've got to a point now where I've under I understand photography and my photos and 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 my stuff well enough to have a higher standard on on the stuff that I produce. So um, so now it's actually I feel like for the most part it's a higher standard than what the players are expecting. So I can sometimes get away with doing not a very good job, and. <laughs> the customers still being happy obviously I strive to always do a good job but I'm doing it out of enjoyment I never did it for money to be honest I spent the first six months to a year not taking a penny I was doing it all I I was doing Saturdays Sundays and weekdays every week bar one week for the first year 
without getting a penny. Yeah, can you remind us of your uh, Twitter handle? Or, or are you on Instagram? I don't use Instagram, but if any of the listeners want to check out your photos. Yeah. I'm, I'm on both. So my, um, it's the, both the same handles. So the, 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 I go by the name Touchline Photography. Touchline. Um, and the Twitter handle is at Touchline P, P for photography. Um, and it's at Touchline P for Instagram as well. So it's the same nice. thing. So listeners, if you want some photos that are good, better than you're expecting, but not as good as he can do, and maybe free if they're not good enough. Um, <laughs> they're not oh, that's, no. But that's up to him. Football photography is never free anymore. Uh, uh, Again, if I was a listener, we alluded to a story earlier that we promised the listeners they would hear. Yao, you had a car that ended up in a ditch. Uh, yeah, this is a good close. Yeah, you have been an absolutely, yeah, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest, and we have kept you for so long. Yeah, but no, you wouldn't chatting. mind yeah, regaling. You've got a lot of editing to do with, with, with my. Uh... <laughs> well, have you seen now? Joe works it. It's not. <laughs> so he I'm might bleep out a few. Out. He might bleep out a few names. We'll put it out. Um, but if you could um, finish, uh, regale us with the tale of how you ended up in the ditch. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Like I'm, I'm. To be fair, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I, I was sixteen. I passed my driving test way before I should have. Um, I sixteen. Yeah, he was seventeen. Sorry, seventeen. Sorry, I was twelve when he passed. I was seventeen. But the thing is, I I'll give you the quick background and then I'll, I'll get into the the story. I I I've been doing my. Uh, my my driving my driving lessons for about six months and then I started to hear about everyone you know um, saying that if you book your test you're going to be on a like a I don't know like a three or four month waiting list before mm. you can actually do it so yeah. don't book your test when you're ready book it before you're ready and mm. then um, yeah. and then by by the time your test comes around you you probably will be ready and so yeah. that's what I did and then um, when I'd done it someone was like oh well, if you call up you might get a cancellation to do your test a little bit earlier so like someone might have cancelled their own test yeah. and you can take their slot so I called up to get a cancellation and they were like we've got one next week and I was like oh wow I'm <sighs> definitely not ready next week but hey look the worst I could do is fail right so Jesus. Um, I went ahead and did the test next week and like somehow passed it I don't even know what the hell happened um, and found how, many, how many minors did you get? I got like five I think that's five, good. Five minors, yeah, like, or seven, five or seven, something like that. But I mean, people always told me if you hit the curb, you failed, right? Like that's what that was the story. Like if you yeah. hit the curb, you have definitely failed. Mm. And so I started this test, and and it was Bay Park. So um, I reversed into the bay, and I was I thought I've done it great. I, like I'm 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 in. And then just as I was reversing, reversing, the back of the wheel hit the back of the bay. Uh, which was just the, like a curb, but just gently. Mm. But in my mind, I was like, okay, well, test ain't even started and I failed. So um, I'm just going to show this lady that I can drive. Mm. And so all the pressure was off at that point. So I was kind of mm. like, cool, let, 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 let's go for it. And then in the end, I ended up passing. So I was like, okay, cool, that's, that's great. So um, my dad bought me this Nissan Armira. Lovely, lovely vehicle, uh, <laughs> red one. Um, people called it the Mudmobile because the the number plate, the last three letters on the number plate was mud. 
And um, yeah, so I used to go cruising. I used to go cruising in that thing, man. So yeah. so my brother worked at a, um, a sh- like a, a clay pigeon shooting range in Dartford, and obviously he couldn't get there. It was like kind of in the middle of nowhere in Dartford. So the only way he could get there is if someone dropped him. And, and up until this point, my dad had been doing it. But then I was like, hey, look, I'm driving now. I can take you. So uh, he's like, cool, take me then. So we drove, I drove to Dartford and it's kind of, like I say, it's in the middle of nowhere and you kind of got to go down some really windy roads. And that windy road, which has kind of got like big, like um, kind of like uh, grass, but like high grass, like six foot high grass on either side of this like really windy, really narrow, windy road. Um, and when you, when you get to the, the start of it, there's a big sign that says five miles per hour. And as a six, 17 year old youngster who's just passed and wants to be cruising five miles per hour, not my game. So um, I went down, I went down it, I went down it doing 40. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man. I mean, 20's plenty, but 40's naughty. I went, I went down it doing 40 and, and honestly, I felt like, I felt free, you know, it was a great feeling. <laughs> Like, not only am I, am I going fast, but I'm breaking all the rules. So it kind of felt like it gave me a bit of, a bit of energy. Um, and it, it went fine. Like, I, I, I navigated the windy roads. And just, just basically, just as you get to the gate for this clay pigeon shooting place, um, it kind of bends round. Um, and so it kind of, it's a very short bend. And then you go through the gates. Um, so I literally got there, got up, got to the bend at 40 and then went to turn the wheel to go through the gate. But just as I went to turn the wheel, the car had gone over a hump, so it was like a lip was in the air. So when I turned the wheel, the, the wheel wasn't turning because obviously it was in the air and not on the ground. This is all in like a split second, but the wheel didn't turn because it was in the air. And I kept going forward instead of turning into the gate. And the car just went like, what felt like down like a riverbank. Um, really short riverbank because I'd obviously applied the brake instantly Um, and basically the the nose of the car was in about two foot of water (laughs) and um, me and my brother had managed to scramble out of the car um, and climb up the bank it's not like I say it's not high like as in when I say climb up the bank the back wheel of the car was in the air because Oh God! Oh, yeah, because it was like the end of the Italian job. <laughs> yeah, so, so the back wheel of the car is in the air, and the front of it is in in into about two foot of water. And me and my brother have got to the top, and I because the whole time I just thought this was grass around us. I had no idea that it was like a swamp. So seeing the car in all of that water, and I'm sitting there thinking, my dad is gonna kill me. Um, and so we went inside and because they're a clay pigeon shooting place, they normally have to take tractors to go and get like the broken bits of clay and stuff. So we went in and told them what happened and they were laughing. They were like, did you, didn't, you didn't see the sign or whatever. So they met, they went and got a tractor and tied, uh, tied a rope to the back of my car and the front of this tractor and started to pull out my car from the ditch. But then the mudmobile was so heavy that the tractor's wheels started spinning and it couldn't get... <laughs> It couldn't oh. get my car out. So in the end, they had to wait for one of the patrons um, who normally came that time in the morning who had a big, like, Range Rover with a 4x4, four four, so it was a four-wheel drive. 
mm. um, who had a bit more traction. So they tied the Range Rover to the tractor, which was tied to my car. And then... <laughs> this this and is then... like the end of Hobson Shaw. This sounds like the end of Hobson. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually pulled it out. And, and obviously, like, the whole front of the car was just drip. Luckily, like, the water didn't get inside the car because it was literally oh, just wow. the front, nice. the, the bonnet that had gone in. And the engine was wet, so the car didn't start. Um, but they were all really calm about it. They were like, look, just let it dry out. You'll be fine. Um, so I waited about an hour, turned on the engine. Hey, presto. Things oh working. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when me and the Mudmobile became besties because I was like, we can do that and go through everything together. It is indestructible. Yeah. So I had to pull out a few like bits of like reed, like reef and stuff out of the front of the car. But um, but yeah, like you know, in the end managed to get it out of the ditch and I didn't even have to tell my dad about it which was the best thing so um... <laughs> does your dad know now? no no way <laughs> that's that that's does, does he listen to after all this time always? Yeah, actually... <laughs> I think I think I can get him to not listen to this episode <laughs> I used yeah, to love so that, seeing you in that of it. I used to love seeing you in that car, man, because you'd, you'd drive, when, whenever you'd be out cruising, you'd drive past us and s- scream one of our teachers' names out the window. But it was so loud, it, it sounded like you were beeping your horn at us. Well, I, you know what, I'm not going to lie, like, being, being, 15, being 16, 17, those are those are, those are some good years. Yeah, like six, yeah. Um, 16, 17, 18, oh, good years, mate. Yeah. Uh, nothing it, like that... being a, driving, like having a car when no one else mm. does. Mm. And just driving everywhere for no reason. Like when I first got that car, we four of us jumped in the car and drove to Canterbury, literally for no reason. Yeah. We got on the motorway. Yeah. We're like, we're just gonna drive, and after half an hour, I'm gonna see some road sign, and we're gonna take the place that's furthest on that road sign. And that's what we did, and ended up in Canterbury. Wow, good yeah, times. That's, that's a sort of because I mean, you basically you're just doing what you would do in Bexley Heath, hang out by a clock tower, but <laughs> you, you got to drive there. <laughs> But it was exactly. a cathedral. But then, cathedral. But then so what boring. happens is, you know, you, you grow up, you get jobs, and they tell you you're not allowed to leave your house for the next three months. So, <laughs> you know, it's... Because it's <laughs> all you can do now is reminisce. We can have reminisce. reminisce now, but... Um... Those good times of driving for the sake of driving are coming back. That's yeah. it. That's it. Like, uh, yeah, like amazing times, but, you know, those times are past... You know, obviously, we, we can always look back on them. You know, I've got loads of like kind of great school memories and stuff. But it, you know, I, I, we've got we've got life ahead of us us now. You know, we've got kids. We, and yeah, I love it. And, it's we've yeah. been recording for nearly three hours. Three now, hours. <laughs> and and you've and you finally got into the real mood of the show, which is life was better years ago. It's right oh, now. Yeah, no really question. Is. I mean, Pat, I don't know if you remember, but when we used to do our, our, our drama classes, uh-huh. those were those those drama classes were the highlight of my whole kind of like year 10, 11. Do you know what? Like, now, if we ever get you on again, because I've got our um, I've got, I think I've got our definitely script. got our showcase script. I think I've got our um, GCSE script as well, where you were the detective, Mitch Finn. Mitch Finn. Paul had that line to you. Let's all have a good... Let's have all have a good time about our showcases, not who is the um, boo. Yeah, who the hell Listen, was that? Was, that was we didn't do. I swear, like Pat will tell you, we didn't do any work in GCSE drama. Like we did, we pissed up, like, we messed around, pissed about. Um, but we were good at it, so we, we were able to. That was my only A grade in my whole GCSEs. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's because it's because you didn't um, fluff the line. Like every rehearsal, you fluffed the line where it was something like, "I've had enough of your cheap vulgarities." Um, yeah, because I didn't know what like... vulgarities were. <laughs> <laughs> but on the night, nailed it. Nailed yeah. it and got an A somehow in the whole thing. Crazy. Man, yeah, you earned it's, it. I, uh, it's another another one for another day, I guess. Uh, yeah, what? you're making me angry, yeah, because I I was one mark off an A star. So, <laughs> but there's there's no asterisks there. There's no asterisks. No, like, we both got A's, but. Just let you know. No, but yeah, if, listen, you, if you ever back on, we'll we'll perform fuming. we'll perform our our uh, one of our drama scripts. <laughs> I can't believe you still got that script. I've got somewhere forever. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really great. appreciate uh, it. I, I want to. I want to be on. Being so honest. Hopefully, your viewers don't. Hate, hopefully, your viewers. There's a clamouring for me to be on again. <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'm, I'm sure, sure I will. And you know, I know, I know uh, to the home weirdos that a lot, a lot of you have got in touch uh, via email. Thank you very much. We appreciate we didn't have an episode last uh, week. We will be doing emails next week. Um, mm. So if anyone yeah. does they, some, get some touch, sort of normality next week. Yeah, uh, but we felt it would be disingenuous to just produce a normal episode this week. Yeah. Um, so we hope that you enjoyed it. Or were enlightened by it, uh, just as much as as we were. Um, so, thank you very much again, Yao, uh, for coming on. Also, um, yeah, thank you for reminding us that we do have more stories from school that we can lean on to. How <laughs> make one podcast entertaining? Enough stories for like a year's worth of episodes. I think so. Just, a, just a gentle prod. That's all we need. Um, <laughs> if you if you do want to get in touch with the show, uh, you can on Twitter and Facebook at ATTA Pod or email us. Pod at gmail.com we're also on Instagram at Pod. Uh, what we'll also be doing across our social media channels is uh, posting up donation links to Black Lives Matter um, hopefully when we come to you next week uh, things will be a bit lot calmer so yeah we hope that this episode has been enlightening to you as it has been for us um, rest in peace uh, George Floyd uh, all that remains to be said is that my name is Tom Toll my name is Patrick Colland that was Yalkusi. I'm Joe Power. <laughs> this has been after all this time. Yeah, can you say always? Always. <laughs> should, we, should, we, should we do that one again? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I'm on. Two seconds, three seconds, four, five, five, six, six. Okay. I bet you ten's coming. Yeah. Ten's coming. Oh, there he is. There you go. Yeah, we're all we're all synced. I think. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs>